0: This is Define by Stake Capital, the podcast making the most important issues in Define Web3 easy to understand and accessible to all, from the mouth and personal experiences of its builders and protagonists. Today with me, co-hosted by Parvina Bashir from Stable Summit, is Nicolas Bacca, former Chief Innovation Officer and co-founder of Ledger. This episode is sponsored by Comith Connect, the account abstraction as a service offering an intuitive and secure biometric smart wallet for web-free adoption.
1: Okay, so joining us today, we have Nicholas Baca. Am I saying that right?
2: Yeah, that's absolutely right. All Thank right. you. <laughs>
1: so first of all, for people who might not be very familiar, uh, please tell us a little bit more about yourself uh, and what you do in web3. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, uh, well. So, my name is Nicola Bacca, As you said, I'm very happy to be there with you. Uh, I'm one of the eight co-founders of Ledger. So, mm-hmm. I brought the security, uh, hardware security, to Ledger along with my team of three people, uh, Olivier Thomas and Cedric Menil. Uh, so, we built um, basically the architecture of the hardware wallet and uh, and well and um, and the management system of the hardware wallet. Mm-hmm. And so, I have been at Ledger for eight years because wow. Ledger has been there since 2015. And well, after some time, I want to try something new, so I decided to leave on the first of, uh, on the first of October, okay. and now I am starting a new project which is a bit stealth at the moment, uh, working on a abstraction and thinking about way to provide uh, to onboard web to people into into web free uh, in the best uh, i mean in a way which is very easy for everybody and I think a abstraction is a good way to achieve that.
1: yeah, so you mentioned you just left legend would like to explore a little bit the reasons behind. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. Well, so, so the
2: reasons are pretty simple. So I, I'm a builder. I mean, uh, Ledger was kind of my fourth or fifth company. I mean, I started my first company in 2014, uh, which was a bit uh, on the consulting side, but still working on hardware security. So I've been working with smart cards since 2014. Mm-hmm. And initially, uh, 2005, sorry. I'm a bit <laughs> tired. Uh, so we have been... Uh, I, I, I created Ledger at the beginning because I thought there was no way uh, to protect private keys and to provide the goods and a secure experience to user without actually having secure hardware. Mm -hmm. So it was very difficult to have something that lets you uh, protect keys and verify what you're signing. And I think that now uh, we have new ways to achieve that, maybe not with the same level of confidence, but we can delegate the security between the client and the blockchain itself. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if we have smart wallets, we can put part of the security into smart wallets, for example. Uh, We can design user profiles, we can have things that, make sure that people are not going to spend all their money by signing a wrong transaction but implemented in a different way and I think that if we want to onboard the next billion people on chain uh, we can't really do that with hardware at least we can do it with hardware a bit later but if you want to enter the space uh, you're not going to do it with hardware just because uh, there is a hassle buying it so if you want to try something if you want to get your first NFT if you want to uh, convert from fiat for example uh, to a stable coin that you can stake uh, and get some revenue on that i think it's good to begin with something that's fully software backed uh, but still secure and that's what i wanted to explore uh, that's not in line with uh, ledger business since we are doing hardware um, so i thought it was just best um, to do this in a, in a in a different setup which is a bit smaller and where i am free to explore
0: i don't want to spoil the stealth <laughs> but I wanted to know if this um, more account abstraction path you're taking has already a use case like I, have you identified something that you talk about people mm-hmm. willing to do willing to redeem the? the yeah NFT? I have
2: identified I have identified some some use cases nice. for brands for example that okay. would like to enter the space or for stakers that would like to offer more like DeFi services mm-hmm. and like let people enter the space uh, easily and have something that is not a wallet but that lets them enjoy the services yeah.
1: is there any data where we can expect more information about uh, this project? I think
2: the process is still being set up, but uh, at the beginning of the year, I mean, in Q1 2024, for sure, we will be able to release something publicly.
1: Okay, right, can't wait. And um, thank you. Um, one other question, actually, is that so you left Ledger, but you still live as a Ledger NPC <laughs> in the sandbox game? Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah.
2: So it's it's good because well, I hope I have a bit more legacy than that. But this one is <laughs> this one is still interesting because I'm doing what I what I love. In the end, I am teaching people how to use uh, how to use uh, the system them properly. I'm teaching people how to use their wallet, how to make sure that they are not losing funds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's it's nice. I mean, it's a nice tribute to the work that we all did uh, to still be living in a, in a game in the end and to still be helping users because uh, I've been doing customer support for a very long time. I mean, since the beginning of the company and I was still uh, answering people on Reddit on Twitter and so on. So I will continue doing this, but in a little bit, uh, well, more <laughs> more automated way, but it's still perfectly fine to me. Okay. So, but thanks for yeah thanks for noticing it i think it was it was a nice touch it was a nice uh,
0: departing gift from ledger
1: (laughs) (laughs) for sure and
0: uh, will the npc earn money by itself like (laughs) <laughs> is it is it financially independent? Or will you? Yeah, and, I, think, yeah I think yeah, have... I think it's I think
2: it's I think it's autonomous. I don't plan to I don't plan to feed it, so it's not like a Tamagotchi, hopefully. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see we'll see how it
0: goes. But because I, I've been I attended a conference and there was this guy talking about fully AI music acts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So artists that are fully AI characters and they will have their own revenues etc and we were all a bit like okay uh-oh yes uh-oh <laughs> in,
2: in the end i think there is still someone there is still someone driving them i mean there is still someone collecting the revenue otherwise it's yeah. uh, uh i mean maybe it's a great way to go to the to the singularity i don't know so that uh, yeah, yeah. The AI can buy itself something i mean it can buy more it can buy more developers to get better no i don't know but it looks like yeah interesting. an interesting idea <laughs>
1: And uh so what brought you to devconnect despite you know uh the odds the scare for like cancellation and all of that what are you expecting to Um, yeah discover I
2: think think for me it was a good opportunity to touch base with everything that happened in the ecosystem for last year because as everybody knows uh, people are building a lot during bear markets so there is there are sparks of innovation everywhere I mean just looking at the space that is interesting me the most at the moment so account abstraction Uh, there are new EIPs getting drafted uh, almost every every week Uh, there are are, I don't know maybe than more than more than 100 people building in that space and I think it's a very good opportunity to talk to everybody. I mean, to have everybody in the same place because decentralization oh, yeah. is great, uh, but at some point you still need to touch base and you still need to shake hands with people and to see what they are building and the best way uh, to see it. Uh, I would say uh, outside of all the noise that you can get on social media, media is to meet people on the ground to to share some to talk to share some drinks and that, that's the way we still uh, work as a <laughs> as humans. So I think DevConnect Connect is a, is really the best opportunity to see everything Things that happen in the space in one week, uh, which is mm-hmm. still short, but it—I expect it to be packed with uh, with new information and to come back with a much clearer view of what has happened. Because I already have some pattern in my head, that I need to to clarify things a bit.
1: Yeah. And um, yeah, so. The last bull run, DeFi Summer, started in 2020, and uh, we are hearing whispers that a bull run, the next bull run is just around the corner. And I wanted to ask if you have any like, personal predictions that you want to share with us, like uh, what do you think people will be uh, releasing the most, what kind of dapps, or uh, just in general, uh, any predictions?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm super interested with what people with uh, will build. I mean, with uh, with especially with new uh, stablecoin services. I mean, I, I want to see where people will be will be investing their uh, their assets in the end. And I think it's a it's a good way to build bridges between the old banking system and the new one. Because we have people that want to enter the ecosystem. We have people that want to get new and easy to use financial services, especially with the with the uh, trouble of inflation everywhere. And mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a good idea to make the, to make the conference in turkey as well because oh, yeah. we see that we can still have a country which is very functional with high inflation but that would get um, a lot better by, by using the benefits of uh, well having a money that is programmable and mm-hmm. understand what they can do with that money so i hope we'll have way more services linking uh, crypto to the real world and letting people um, use those services in a way that makes the crypto um, layer very transparent mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. So hope to see you at the Unstable Summit then. (laughs)
0: She's one of the organizers. So So that's good. So it
2: means I can get a ticket. Thank
0: you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And um, yes, so just now we were discussing between ourselves how we survived the bear market. So wanted to ask for your opinion as well. How did you survive?
2: Yeah, no, not checking the price is a very good advice but I think for someone who went through uh, the previous bear market it was pretty much worse than this one because if you if you remember what happened in 2018 2019 mm. uh, it was basically you could yell as much as you wanted in you know, the space and nobody would hear you yeah. nobody would hear you because we had people that invested in 2017 at the peak of Bitcoin and they didn't they just didn't want to hear about crypto anymore so there were people building things but nobody was aware of that I mean there was just no signal at all. I mean, it was two years of, of two, two years of flatlining, <laughs> and it, it has been very different during this bear market because I have seen uh, a lot, still a lot of things getting built and crypto getting a lot of momentum. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially even if even if it was mostly negative momentum, I mean, it's, you still had people talking about crypto. It was ah, a complete yeah. complete um, waste of space. I mean, in, in 18 and 19, so I, I like this bear market better personally speaking.
1: Oh, for sure. I think we saw a lot more. Talk about crypto in more traditional Mm -hmm. news outlets and all, even though it was going down. Yes. Um, in the past year, there were many uh, black swan events, or in the past <laughs> yes. cycle, basically, yes. uh, and so just wanted your opinion on which was your favorite, maybe yeah, <laughs> for for any reason. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think I think the, I think the Terra collapse was my was my favorite one okay. because it was I think it was the root of basically all of them. I mean, it all started with the collapse of Terra in the end because a lot of people were using services that were super easy to use, like Encore. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody could say no to the twenty percent. Uh, the twenty percent. Revenue on your assets, you know, (laughs) and even people in the traditional space, I mean, were just getting into crypto to enjoy those rates uh, without asking more questions than that. And Mm -hmm. so everything, I mean, when the domino started falling, I think it started with uh, it started with Terra, and we could see uh, who had trouble really understanding the risk and well Mm -hmm. getting prepared for that risk. So that's why I think for me it was really the the most important because it was the one that triggered everything else. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you think? Talking about failing is gold. Do you think that um, they do have an effect? They do have a positive effect. These all these uh, exploits and, um, and and collapses, etc. Um, but what's your take on the, on the failing is gold uh, mantra? Do you think that we will see it's going to be a constant because code is code and can be broken, or uh, by by passing. All these mm-hmm. gates, we will get less. No, I
2: hope we will fail less with code. So I hope we will get into ways to build more secure systems, and in the end, that we will um, provide less money to, to North Korea. Because, uh, well, I mean, maybe they are going to be the, the next, uh, the biggest VC in the next cycle, considering all the money that they got. But hopefully, yeah. we can fix this. <laughs> so I am, I mean, I mean, I am perfectly okay with like uh, centralized services failing because that's the way that the ways they should. that's the way that should happen I mean they shouldn't be saved and it gives people uh, it shows to people that really the way to enjoy crypto is in a decentralized way Mm -hmm. Uh, but when we are losing money to very uh, to defy hacks that look like Super common and things that could have been avoided. Um, I feel I'm feeling very sad about that because it shows that at an industry we didn't really grow. So we need to grow a bit more regarding the security and testing of services. So I'm not supporting those kind of failures. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, but when I see like a new exploit or something that, that looks very creative, like uh, something else. I mean, that price manipulation, like something that shows that we should focus to uh, something which is a bit uh, which is a bit less unheard. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, the, the Viper issue. Issues, I mean that where with the, with a reentrancy thing yeah. I, I, I consider that it's a good failure because in the end it makes the ecosystem better and it yeah. helps us uh, fixing something so I don't mean I want to high-five the guy who, who steals the money <laughs> and, and then doesn't give it back um, yeah, but yeah. I think that we are we are providing good incentives to for people to be honest I mean even it's probably the only industry where you see something like 10% uh, white hat uh, bounty because yeah. I, you don't see that I mean anywhere else when you steal money you a fifth, and you should go to jail. So mm-hmm. you shouldn't be, shouldn't get a free pass because you managed to, to give back ninety uh, percent of the money. So, yeah, yeah. so I think yeah. So I think I'm, I support failure that shows us how to improve. Mm-hmm. I don't support failure that shows us that okay we fail again. <laughs> so that my
1: that's <laughs> my take on it. That, yeah. Yes.
0: Well, traditionally the fraudsters in the traditional system they get hired by FBI usually. I mean, I in mean in I've the seen movies,
1: that in movies, least. I don't know how it is. <laughs> really. yeah, yeah, I've seen that in movies,
2: yeah, I'm not sure if it works for everybody. I mean, may, maybe for the best one, but in the end, the best one shouldn't be fraudsters, or, or at least they shouldn't be caught, so yeah, so, difficult to say.
0: I have I have a sort of Lunar Punk uh, question for you, which is, uh, can you make a Black Swan prediction? <laughs> A Black Swan prediction and yes. uh, on whatever you want.
2: And on whatever some... I want. Yes. Wow. that's uh, that's well. You mean in the in the real world or in the crypto space?
0: Uh, it's up to you.
2: Okay, I think it's a, I think it's a real world. We'll see more banks failing. Ah. So that that would be my, that would be my best prediction. I think we haven't, I think we haven't seen even, we have not seen enough, we have not seen enough banks failing. So I don't, of course, I don't wish uh, that people lose their money. Uh, So I hope we do that in a controlled way. But still by doing this in a controlled way, we give more, well, we give more insights, I mean, to people and we, we let them know that there is a better way, that they shouldn't uh, just put their assets in centralized entities that can fail and they are not i mean banks are not too big to fail anymore and Mm -hmm. i think we need Ah. more people to realize this so so my 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 random prediction which is of course not some kind of advice or anything is that we will see more of them failing Mm -hmm.
1: you mentioned secure enclaves being an area of interest for you and so for those who aren't super familiar could you explain a little bit uh, more about what they yeah, are. Yeah, for
2: sure, for sure. So I would say if you are if you are familiar with hardware wallets, so you have boxes that let you sign your favorite transaction and verify what you're signing. So in the end, they are holding keys and holding code. But now you can imagine, I mean, what could happen if you are able to run your own code inside it? And you could think about, well, everything that you can do if you had a secure computer that you can run code inside and that could, well, have private inputs into it. So, if, for example, you want to protect a key, you could have a way to use key, your key associated with code in a way that this key cannot be stolen. And I think that well, we started doing this with hardware wallets for very simple tasks, uh, just signing transactions. But we could extend it to do uh, pretty much anything we want uh, related to manipulation of key, of keys or secrets. And In the end, that's what people who are building hardware wallets usually are doing. Mm -hmm. But if you think about using it on a server then things can get super interesting, because you can think about if you're a staker, for example, mm-hmm. you could have a box that lets you sign a transaction and verify that you are not uh, signing something that you already signed. So verify something that is not that is not letting people uh, slashing you. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course, there are already some projects to do this. But I'm talking about generalizing this idea. And if we generalize this idea, we can think about building those things which are, in my opinion, at the frontier between the centralized uh, development and decentralized development mm-hmm. because we have ways today to prove that the code that we are running is getting uh, is correct so those ways are getting easier and easier mm-hmm. um, today if you want to formalize simple um, zk proofs and even complex ones mm-hmm. uh, you have more and more ways to do it uh, i'm taking the example an example that i know well is uh, well what is happening on snarknet uh-huh. uh, if you see the expressiveness of cairo uh, you are pretty much able to prove Some very complex code with it. Mm -hmm. Um, There are especially people designing designing games engines and designing physics engines, designing complex stuff Um, that is completely provable. And well, if you push this to the next stage and thinking that well, one thing that you can't do properly is private inputs uh, because if you want to prove some inputs that are private, usually it's getting it's getting difficult to do it with uh, with the common zk tools uh, that we have. Uh, Secure enclaves can be used to finalize to, to 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 patch that gap uh, until we have proper ways to do it so you could have your code running into the enclave mm-hmm. uh, you could have inputs that are transmitted securely to the enclave uh, but then uh, you are able to prove that the enclave is executing the right code um, in a way which is uh, which is uh, well ZK uh, ZK friendly mm-hmm. and if you manage to do this you have done something more interesting than just using ZK for what it can do because you manage to include secrets uh, into the mix mm-hmm. and something things that's not possible to do if you don't use this secure hardware so i see people moving away from secure hardware in uh, in the long run uh, but in the meantime it's the best way to, to fill use cases for which we have well we actually no we have no real way uh, to do it unless we are using hardware
1: Uh Aha. Okay. So
2: and that's why I think I think it's super important to have those enclaves designed as open as possible, Mm -hmm. um, to let developers try new stuff and to well in the end to give us new ideas uh, to see where we can to see where we can go. And to give a complete complete random example of something I designed uh, around this, like like two two years ago, I think, uh, you know, when we it was uh, it was the hurt of uh, of COVID and we all had to to play with uh, with our sanitary pass because yeah. it was it was necessary. But um, the thing is, the sanitary pass in the end is issued by the government and it's something that you can that you can verify because it's uh, protected by a signature and you can verify this signature. Mm-hmm. And now you don't want to put your sanitary pass on chain because. The even if you could, um, you have your name inside it, and so it's not very its not very privacy-friendly to do that. Mm-hmm. But in the end, you have some information about your age. And let's say that if you wanted to, to do a token um, that lets you prove that you have some data that gives you age, mm-hmm. you could have something running in a secure enclave um, that gets the sanitary pass, verifies that the sanitary pass is correct, and then publish something that can be used on chain with just, redacted information about your sanitary pass. So saying, for example, okay, I have a token that can prove my age Mm -hmm. and my obfuscated identity, for example, or just your age. Uh, But by using this enclave that will guarantee that the code is correct so that the parsing of the sanitary pass was correct. And in the end, you end up with something that is usable on-chain even if the data was not supposed to be put on-chain at the beginning. Ah. So I would like to rewrite this project using ZK Proof today because I think that's something that's doable. But in the end, it's always a way to bridge the gap uh, between ZK and the centralized world. So I I hope more people will start playing with that as it opens a way to to new ideas and to give us more more powerful things to verify.
1: Mm -hmm. And uh, do you see anyone using it so far?
2: I, I have seen i have seen a few people i've seen a few people using it uh, i think people are trying to use it for private mining pools uh, okay. in, uh i've seen that used in uh i think in uh, in an ethereum research project in cosmos uh maybe in some um maybe in some of the StartNet sequencers as well mm-hmm. um so i think some people are some people are playing with it but i think we need new new people to to First, play with that, and then to design the enclaves themselves, because they should be easier to use mm-hmm. um, today you you don't have a very good way to run things that are both secure um, and very customizable so you, you have to pick sometimes uh, stuff that is less secure, or less customizable, or less open mm-hmm. um, so it's best to I hope we can have new people designing uh, things in that, in that space, okay. uh, which is still a very a very small space because you need to be uh, well you need to to love working with hardware in the end
1: okay. And and so you mentioned you came from the hardware wallet space. And what do you see coming up next, or what do you hope to see coming up next, like new features or yeah, anything in the hardware space?
2: Yeah, in the in the hardware space. So if we if we just look at hardware wallets, I hope that we we'll get. Uh more simple to more simple to use in the end because yeah. use cases are getting more and more complex yeah. and you need to have easy way to verify what you are doing. So yeah. when people are interacting with a the contract they, they want to know what the contract is doing. I mean they don't want to read uh, parameters that are passed to the contract. They just want to say, they just want to see on screen something displayed, okay, I want to get a loan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since the space is getting more and more complex with more chains, more, more layer 2s uh, and more composability um, there is a big um, then it's it's quite complicated to have something that is that resonates well with users mm-hmm. and give a very clear message about what the user is going to do. Because if you don't get this information, then you are just left with a box uh, on which you see something, you press OK, because you don't have the time to understand. I mean, you don't want to read the parameters of your EIP 712 message. <laughs> <and> nobody <laughs> wants to do that. Yeah. <laughs> So it, it negates a bit, I mean, the value brought by, by Hardware Wallet. So mm-hmm. I think we need, to, we need to find ways, I mean, I'm saying that for all vendors, uh, to, to display very, very clearly to the user what kind of operations they are performing. Mm-hmm. And so this includes new operations like bridging to Nail and and, 2 and then running some other actions. So that's, that, that's where the complexity is uh, in that space, in my opinion, at the moment.
1: Okay. And um, and so, what do you think about AI? Do you think AI could uh, be useful in in Web three in like developing new features, in helping to verify stuff, or do you see it as um, like you're not a fan?
2: No, I see I see it as a tool that can be very useful to perform uh, automated tasks in a in a very um, in a very in very specific fields. Uh, okay. So typically, we already use kind of uh, AI on well, machine learning being a subset of AI, we already use it in uh, in security, in even in hardware security for example Mm -hmm. um to isolate um patterns on when when we try to when we try to change the behavior of a circuit or when we try to understand the electromagnetic radiation uh, emitted by a circuit we can use machine learning to see patterns that the human eye couldn't be able to to detect Mm -hmm. (coughs) sorry so so that's something where it's already used Uh, but i think to to so again, yeah, to perform those tasks, I think it can be, I think it can be very powerful. So maybe to iterate on some, to iterate on some debugging tools or to get better, to get better, uh, well, security audit tools. I think it can be, I think it can be useful. But I don't see it as something that will be uh, revolutionary or create something that will like. Uh, when I see when I see I mean I heard uh, everybody heard the story of people that pivoted from uh, blockchain to AI during oh, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. bear market so I don't <laughs> I don't think those spaces are, are even are even related okay. uh, so maybe the, the best way they can be related in my opinion is that I think AI will be more interesting as we manage to decentralize the, uh, all the operations because today when we look at AI we are recentralizing a lot of things into the hands of a few uh, powerful uh, mm-hmm. um, companies so especially yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't really compete with uh, with complex models. I mean, if you don't have the data to train them, and you c- you can cheat a bit, I mean, by getting things that are pre-trained. But in uh-huh. the end, if you want to if you want to be able to prove everything, which is what we do in the blockchain space, uh-huh. uh, we need to find new ways to decentralize the different algorithms that are powering the AI revolution today. And I think uh, mm-hmm. that's where I see a connection because people could learn uh, what we have done. I mean, with uh, decentralizing and proving everything, and apply it to AI. So okay. I see it used in that way, but for that, we will need to let um, people that are that are building AI tools today look at what happened in the blockchain space. Mm-hmm. And usually, there is a big gap because. Uh, People that are not in the blockchain and developers sometimes don't like to look at what we are doing in the blockchain space because uh-huh. they consider it's a scam or they consider oh, yeah. it's mostly for use for financial uh, reasons, you know, <laughs> and they don't want to do this. So they need to, to, to go past this and then look at the code. And I think they will find interesting things they can use.
1: Mm. Yeah. Any final remarks or highlights to leave us with, basically?
2: Well, I hope you will. I hope everybody will have a lot of fun at the at the conference because there are there are so many so many things to so many things to see. So I hope that in the end, I mean, we will manage to, to move forward on, on tricky topics. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, well, regarding account abstraction, I have a lot of stuff to, to look at. then okay. Regarding uh, modular contracts and who will be able to turn our, our wallets into more advanced wallets. I mean, by the uh, as we as as we move through our crypto journey, so, so mm-hmm. how we can could turn. For example, a simple wallet into a wallet that can do multi-signature, but in a way that is transparent for users. So that, that's some some of the things I want to say. But I, I think there will be there will be stuff to see for for everybody. So in the end, uh, try to try to speak to the the biggest number of people and hope you will enjoy the the conference and uh, and
0: um, the well and the the um, the Turkish food of course.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs>
0: Nicola, thank you for being with us today and uh, feel free to come by and uh, just uh, drop some more infos uh, whenever (laughs) you want. Sure, more financial advice. Oh, for
1: sure, yeah. (laughs)